Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. I wanted to say a special thank you to all those who came out on our work day this past Thursday evening. We had so much fun together, and we did a lot of work, and I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, we couldn't have done that without you. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears there, a lot of heavy rock we moved, and grateful to that. And then also, um, you know, uh, where, uh, Charlie is in the house today. I see Charlie back there. Charlie is our men's retreat fishing champion. Charlie, give it up for Charlie. <laughs> woo Awesome, dude. Uh, man, you smoked this, man. It was, it was awesome. And then uh, Tim Pilot and Julio, man, they're our horseshoe champions, and I don't know how that happened. Do not, that yeah, boo is right. I mean, I tell you, they, man, out of nowhere, and it, it just goes to show you that a, a blind squirrel can find an acorn, you know, it's just, uh, no, congratulations to you guys. Y'all earned that. Y'all took us down, and uh, man, I don't know what happened. Uh, next year. <laughs> I'm like an A&M fan next year. You know? anyway, oh, 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 I went there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hook them. Anyway, um, a small store owner uh, was being pressured to sell his store to this large department store who had bought every building on the block except his. And so frustrated by the man's refusal to sell, they eventually opened a huge store on either side of this man's shop. And then they, they put it out to the community. They're opening this big, uh, big uh, plaza thing. And so they hung this sign, grand opening, right over his little shop and to the two shops right beside his. Well, that little business owner wasn't going to be outdone by those people. So at the grand opening, before the, the, the people started to come, he hung a little banner over his door that was underneath the sign of the grand opening that said main entrance. <laughs> That's wisdom right there. You know what I mean? That's one smart dude. <laughs> you ever wish you had wisdom? You ever wish that you had wisdom. What kind of wisdom would you ask for if you wanted more wisdom? Uh, and I, I tell you, the, the older I get, the more I wish I had a lot more parental wisdom. Um, I wish I had relationship wisdom. <laughs> when you get, you know, to those latter years, I'm sure you wished you'd had more financial wisdom. <laughs> um, being the stellar athlete that I am, I wish I'd have had more sports wisdom. Um, I don't know about you what kind of wisdom you may have asked for, but, but I want to tell you today, I think that there is one kind of wisdom that's better than all wisdom. And if you have this kind of wisdom, you'll be truly wise in every area of your life. And I want to propose to you today that the wisdom that I think we all should strive for is spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom is God's wisdom, and whether you believe it or not, you can actually have it, and it's even better because the Lord wants to give it to us. Would anybody be willing to say here today, man, I wish I had more spiritual wisdom? Anybody? Amen. Amen. You guys are wise for just even doing that. Amen. 
We've been in the book of 1 Corinthians, as you know, and so we've been talking a lot about wisdom because that's where Paul starts us in this book. And, and this morning, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16, and Paul's going to give us two principles about spiritual wisdom. And so, uh, man, in just the honor and reading of God's word, I will ask you yet again to rise to your feet as we read from God's holy and inerrant, inspired, infallible word. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, 6 through 16, and here we go. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things who are freely given to us by God which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You may be seated, and I pray the Lord bless the reading of his word. The context here we have to keep in mind is where Paul is continuing to kind of insert this topic of wisdom. He's, he's dealing with disunity. He's dealing with this idea of disunity and fractions in the church because some had continued their allegiance with human philosophies. Human wisdom was keeping them from spiritual wisdom. It was keeping them from growing and maturing as believers. And Paul wanted them to have spiritual wisdom because when we have spiritual wisdom, there's unity. So he gives these two principles. The first is this. Spiritual wisdom cannot be discovered by human reasoning. Spiritual wisdom cannot be discovered by human reasoning. Man can become wise in many things by experience and knowledge, but he can never become wise on his own in the things of God. Why not, Paul? Well, Paul tells us, he says, spiritual wisdom is supernatural and not natural to men. Spiritualism is supernatural and not natural because in verse 6 he says this, we don't speak among those who are mature a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the ruler of this age who are passing away. You see, human wisdom hinders the gospel and spiritual wisdom flows from the gospel. He says there that he speaks wisdom to the mature. Mature literally means 
It was the same word to describe an unblemished lamb, a mature lamb, one that's perfect, uh, perfect in behavior. It can mean to refer to those who have membership in something, somebody who's been fully initiated in something. So Paul's saying, in other words, he's speaking wisdom to those who belong to something, who have been perfected in something, namely the faith that we have in Jesus. He's speaking to those who've been perfected in righteousness in Christ, those who've been fully placed in the membership of the body of Christ. True believers are the only ones who see the wisdom of the gospel and have spiritual wisdom. Remember, Paul has said to us earlier that this, this idea of the wisdom of the cross, this wisdom of the, of the gospel is, is, is foolishness to those who are perishing. Paul says this wisdom is not of this age. Spiritual wisdom, the truth of the gospel, is not of the rulers of this age. Age refers to a period of time, a, a historic age. He's speaking about all periods of history. He's speaking about all kinds of rulers. This spiritual wisdom will never be understood by anyone in any age. One reason, he says, is because they are passing away. That word pass away means to be unproductive, to use up, exhaust, to cause to lower effectiveness, to come to the end of an existence if it's true wisdom that would last for all eternity, then we should pay attention, but natural wisdom doesn't even last. So therefore, how can it be really true wisdom? The wisdom of this age, the wisdom of the ruler of this world is empty, it's futile, it comes to nothing, it doesn't last, it cannot help man with things of eternal importance. It's supernatural, it's not natural. It is impossible, dear friends, if you were to think about it, for a lesser creature to understand a more advanced one. For an ant to understand an elephant, it would have to be at least as advanced as an elephant. For an elephant then to understand a man, it would have to be as advanced to man. What, what Paul is saying is, is the more distance, there's more distance between a, an elephant and a man. There's more distance between a man and God. So therefore, how much more distance is there between us and God? How can we think that we can even understand God? Because there's so much distance. God is supernatural and we are natural. Man cannot possibly, with his limited, finite reasoning, understand spiritual wisdom because it's natural and not natural. Supernatural, not natural to men. But then Paul says, spiritual wisdom is a secret and not known to men. Verse 7, he says, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Paul is speaking, preaching, and, and teaching spiritual wisdom, and the natural man can't understand it. He thinks it's foolish. Why, Paul? Because it's a mystery to him. Mystery here does not mean something that's strange or puzzling, but that which is held secret. It's, it's hidden wisdom. That word means the content of which has not been known before, but has been revealed to a certain group of people. In other words, Paul is saying that God has intentionally kept his wisdom a secret from natural man and his ability and his earthly wisdom. This is spiritualism that can never be understood by human reasoning because human reasoning can never discover the secret that God has kept. Matthew eleven twenty five. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, 
that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. That means those that are mature to believe in Jesus, those who come with a childlike faith and trusting Jesus. Matthew 13, the Bible says this, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. See, he has given this wisdom to those who have been supernaturally born again through faith in Christ, those who are mature. And this spiritual wisdom, Paul goes on to say there, he said in verse 7, the latter part, it's been predestined before the ages to our glory. That word predestined means to decree something, to come to a decision beforehand, to determine something ahead of time. Before time ever began, God decided to give his spiritual and saving wisdom to those of us who would trust Christ that would lead to our eternal glorification. Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Again, spiritual wisdom is supernatural and not natural to men. So therefore, the wisdom, verse 8, which none of the rules of this age is understood. For if they understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The crucifixion is proof. It is proof positive that the rulers of this age cannot and do not have spiritual wisdom. The Jews, to whom the gospel, remember we read earlier, the gospel is a stumbling block. And to the Gentiles, whom the gospel is foolishness, they cannot understand God's wisdom. And in their natural wisdom, and what they thought was wisdom, they executed the Son of God. Paul himself, even in his own wisdom, killed other people. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, 12 through 13, Paul says, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. That is the outcome of natural wisdom, that we act stupid, we, we act in unbelief, we persecute, we, we're violent aggressors, we crucify the things of God. To the natural man, Jesus was not glorious. To the natural man, Jesus could never do anything for man. But in God's eyes, Jesus is the very Lord of glory. And so here we touch again on the point that spiritual wisdom is a secret and not known. So then how do we know this spiritual wisdom? It's a secret, right? So then how would we ever know it? Verse 9, but just as it is written... Things which eye has not seen or ear has not heard, which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. He says, it is written again. That's in the perfect tense, which means something happened in the past, carries in the future, and it's also in the passive voice, meaning that it didn't do it itself, and the, the Bible didn't write itself. Men wrote the Bible. This means that, that whatever has been written has been written forever. Well, what was written? Paul quotes from Isaiah 64, 4 to prove his point. For from days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has I seen a God beside you who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. This secret of spiritual wisdom has been given to those who have Christ, and the depths and wonders of it can't even be imagined by a natural man. 
But for those who are in Christ, it has been prepared before we were ever even saved. And, and if you look there, you've probably heard somebody say, eye has not seen and, and, and ear has not heard the things which God has prepared for us. And, and we maybe think that that's what God's talking about in the future, maybe in heaven. We, we just can't even see it. We don't even hear all the good things God has prepared. But that's not what it's talking about. That is true. But, but Paul is talking about here. Paul saying, what, what is here? What, right now, we have things that we couldn't even imagine, couldn't even think of, couldn't even see. We have it now. It hasn't even entered into the heart of man. That means to imagine. It literally means it's a word that means to, to go from something low up to something high. How could us in this lower state even imagine what God has up here? How could we do that? Natural man with his eyes, ears, and heart cannot understand spiritual wisdom God has given to his children. It's ready and only given to those, the text said, who love God. It cannot be discovered or even imagined by natural men. Externally, with the eyes and the ears, internally, even with the heart, we cannot discover God. Externally, man searches for things that his senses can only understand. What his eyes, his ears, his nose, his mouth, and his hands can touch. They seek for that, but God says it isn't going to happen through that. Sometimes men seek with their hearts, and they, they put themselves after with all that they've got, but they still will come up empty because it is a secret, and it's hidden. God's truth cannot be discovered by human reasoning. We can't do it through our rationalism. Man's greatest resources, his ability to think and discover, can never discover God's wisdom because it has been hidden from them, and it will only lead men away from divine truth, not to it. That's why men will crucify even Christ. It has never entered into our heart to conceptualize the things which God has prepared for those of us who love us, uh, for those who love him. But we, through the Holy Spirit, can know ahead of time. Here's the, the amazing thing. God's truth and his wisdom has never been hidden from his children. It has only been prepared for them. Oh, praise the Lord for his amazing blessings to those of us who love him. I remember doing some research a long time ago and coming across the story about a proud young man who came to Socrates. Socrates was a great Greek philosopher. And he asked Socrates for wisdom. And so he walks up to the muscular philosopher and he says, oh, Socrates, I come to you for wisdom. And Socrates realizes this, this proud man and he, and he leads this young man to the streets and then he takes him down to the sea and they go chest deep into the water. And he says to the young man, what do you want? And the young man says, wisdom, oh, wise Socrates. Socrates put his strong hands on the man's shoulders and plunged him beneath the water and kept him there for at least 30 seconds. And then he brings him up and he looks him in the eyes. What is it that you want? Wisdom, the young man said. Oh, great and wise Socrates, give me wisdom. Socrates plunges him under the water again. This time, almost a minute passes. He pulls him back up. What do you want, young man? What do you want? Between those heavy breaths and gas, <gasps> wisdom, oh, Socrates. So he plunges him under again and keeps him there till he almost passes out and brings him up and says, young man, what is it that you want? And then Socrates turns to him and says, when you want wisdom, 
as bad as you want air, then you'll have wisdom. Can I tell you something? That has always been man's problem. And I can tell you, you can have the deepest desire. You can want wisdom more than you want your next breath. But in your natural state, you can never have it. It will never be discovered by human reason. It will never be discovered by going to another man and asking them to give you wisdom because it is only discovered by heavenly revelation. That's our next point. Spiritual wisdom can only be discovered by heavenly revelation. It will never be discovered by human reason. What man cannot find, understand, or discover, God gives. So listen, man cannot get to God. That's why God had to come to man. Well, how did God come to men? Well, I want you to see it here. First, you want to see this, that spiritual wisdom comes through impartation. Spiritual wisdom comes through impartation. Look in verse 10. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. That word revealed is the same word if you were to turn to the last book of the Bible and you were to read the word revelation. That is the same word in the Greek for the title of the last book of the Bible. The last book of the Bible in English is revelation. In Greek, it's apocalypse or akalupsos, but, but you don't need to know necessarily that. What does that mean? Well, the book of Revelation in this word here to reveal means to take out of hiding. It means to uncover. So what has been hidden to the natural man, God has uncovered to those of us who are in Christ. He has revealed it to us. He's revealed it. Revelation, he's revealed it to us. This revelation, this impartation of spiritual wisdom only comes through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is through whom God imparts his hidden wisdom. The Spirit knows the mind of God perfectly. The truths of God's word are imparted through the Holy Spirit. To show that the Spirit is the only one able to do this, Paul compares the Spirit's knowledge to man's knowledge in verse 11. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. In other words, Paul is saying this. No person can know another person as well as he knows himself. I mean, I've been married to my wife going on 33 years, and and I'm telling you, there's still some deep things within me that even my wife doesn't know. No one can know you as well as you know yourself. No one can. Our deepest, innermost thoughts, the things deep inside us, are only known to us. Therefore, that's why Paul says it's the same way with with God. No one can know God but God. And the Spirit of God, who is God, knows God. The one who knows the depths and thought of God is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been sent to reveal that, to uncover that, which is true of God to us. Spiritual wisdom only comes through the impartation, but then spiritual wisdom comes through inspiration. Spiritual wisdom comes through inspiration. Look in verse 12. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. The process by which God transmits or reveals the things of God is called inspiration. God's truth cannot be discovered by man. Pay attention. It can only be received by man. 
And before something must, can be received, it has to be offered. The text is there, the things that are freely given to us by God. The truth of God is freely given, freely offered, and the Bible is the way that the Spirit of God reveals the hidden truths of God to us. So let's talk a little bit about inspiration because God's word is for every person on the planet, but it's only been revealed to the apostles and writers of the scripture. Let me help you interpret your Bible a little bit because sometimes we take promises that were given to certain groups of people and we apply them to ourselves and then we wonder why God doesn't answer our prayers because we are misapplying principles in God's word and promises in God's word that he's never given to us. Let me show you this in John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he would teach you all things. Who is the you? His disciples. And bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now, I want you to, to pay attention to me very carefully. That benefit is for every believer, but that promise was only given to those disciples because here's the deal. Paul and the other writers of the Bible didn't write their own ideas and interpretations. They only wrote down what the Holy Spirit revealed to them and only what the Holy Spirit brought to their remembrance of what they had seen Jesus do. Paul says that we have received so that we might know. The Spirit uses the word of God that the writers knew and used, but he selected them and arranged them in the precise order that he wanted. Thus, listen carefully. The Bible is not only God's word. This, we would say this is God's word. Amen, church? But listen to me. This is also God's words. This isn't just a bunch of men's words. This is God's word because it's God's very own words. That's what inspiration is. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, all graphe. We get the word graphe from writing. All scripture is what? Inspired by God and profitable. The word scripture there, it means writings. This is what God's men wrote by his revelation and his inspiration. It's not referring to everything they said and wrote, only to the things that were freely given to them, the God-breathed words from God through the Holy Spirit. Matthew 4, 4, but he answered and said, when Jesus was being tempted in the desert by Satan, he said, it is written... It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but watch this, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God gave his own words in his own words. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is revealed by God and inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 13, which things we now also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but those and taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. These things, this revelation by inspiration, the things that Paul is speaking, preaching, and teaching, Paul is combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. That word combining means to interpret. It means to explain primary by means of comparison, to bring things together to form a unity, to draw to a conclusion, to explain. In other words, Paul is saying this, that they interpret spiritual things to spiritual people. 
They wrote the Bible through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to explain spiritual wisdom to people who would be born of the Spirit. It's at this point some would say, well, pastor, I get all that. I know that the word of God came from God. I know that it's been inspired from God, but that thing is just so hard to stink and understand. It seems like it's still a mystery to me. Well, amen. I feel your pain, and so does Paul. That's why Paul tells us this, that spiritual wisdom comes through now illumination, through illumination. So the spirit reveals the word of God, and does it through the process of inspiration. Then the Holy Spirit now enables you to understand it through illumination. Many people read the Bible and don't understand it. Even the Pharisees memorized and studied the Bible and missed the main point. They couldn't understand the Bible because they didn't belong to God. They weren't born of the Spirit. The Word of God there, then he says this, the natural man does not accept the things of God, for they are foolishness, but he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. That, that's an interesting word. They couldn't understand the word of God because the word of God is spiritually appraised. And, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to help you understand. The reason why maybe if you've never followed Christ, you can't understand the word of God is because it has to be spiritually understood. Thus, there's no desire or even means to understand spiritual wisdom if you haven't been born of God and have the Spirit inside of you. It's foolishness to you. I get that. It was foolishness to me. And here's the thing. You, you, the Scriptures, you can't even understand it. Paul says something about the natural man. This pertains to the natural world and more specifically the world of the flesh as opposed to the Spirit. The natural sinful man never accepts the things of God. They're foolishness to him. They're foolish because you can't understand it. And most things people can't understand, they say, is foolishness. They have been hidden because they're spiritually appraised. Appraised there means to be evaluated, to, to discern, to understand. It comes from the world of law. It means to engage in careful study of a question to conduct a judicial hearing, to, to, to conduct a hearing, to find fault, to judge, to call to an account. The natural man cannot do that because he's not of God. He can try to discern and make all kinds of judgments about God and spiritual things, but he just can't do it. Martin Luther said, the Bible cannot be understood simply by study or talent. You must count only on the influence of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 119.18, we'll get to, and we've been there many times, but it says, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. In your natural state, a quote may be best for you. It would say this, listen, the best that a natural man can do on his own is to gnaw the bark of Scripture, but he can never get to the wood. Apart from being born again, apart from the Spirit of God, the only thing you'll ever do is chew on the bark. You will never be able to get to the wood. God must open your understanding before you can know and interpret the Word of God. Listen to me. Just as physically blind people cannot physically see the Word of God, so spiritually blind people cannot understand the Word of God because the problem is both lack light. Both lack illumination. 
He says, he who is spiritual praises all things. That's what he says there, verse 15. But the one who is spiritual appraises all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. In other words, he who is spiritual now can go and take and understand and make decisions about the word of God because you have a resident Bible teacher living inside of you, which is the spirit of God. 1 John 2.27 says this. As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. And if you've got the anointing of the Holy Spirit in you, you have no need for anyone to teach you. But his anointing teaches you all about all things, and it's true, and it's not a lie. Just as it has taught you, you abide in him. You see, the Holy Spirit puts the light on the word of God. But watch this. Unlike revelation and unlike inspiration, which was only given to the writers of the Bible, illumination is for all believers. Just as a natural man without the Spirit cannot understand the Word of God, he also cannot even understand the people of God. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, but he himself is appraised by no one. The natural man doesn't understand the Word of God, and he doesn't even understand the people of God. Because the natural man can't appraise God's word, he cannot make a true assessment of you and I either. Watch this. It is just as impossible for the world to understand a faithful Christian as it is to understand the word of God. This might help you some. The world will look at us and try to judge us and appraise us, right? They see our inconsistencies. They point out our hypocrisy. They blame us for all of our faults. And here's the kicker. Lost people even try to use the word of God to shame us. Oh, well, Jesus said this. It's like Putin come out there. No greater man has a love for his brothers than they lay down his life for them. Nice try, bozo. You can't judge anyone. You can't appraise spiritual things. You don't even know Christ. You don't even understand that text. How do you want to use that text? You don't know. But this is what the natural man does. They, they can't appraise no one. The person in Christ will be misunderstood and mistreated just as Jesus would. John 15, 20. Remember the word I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, what does it say, church? They will also persecute you. But if they kept my word, they'll keep yours. The world mocks us, laughs at us, and they will even try to kill us just like they did Jesus. And then he says in verse 16, he says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. <laughs> who has known the mind of God? Nobody. Many times unbelievers want to correct us. Many times, even unbelievers want to argue the truths we believe. If you don't believe that, just get on the topic of homosexuality. They're going to take our book and try to argue with us about it. None. Nobody knows the mind of God except the people of God. Believers are able to understand all things in God's word and even the very heart of God because we have the mind of Christ. Christ thinks God's thoughts, understand God's mind, his heart, and his wisdom. And the Bible says that because you and I are in Christ, we have what Christ has. We have the mind of Christ. 
It's like when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus with two of his disciples in Luke 24, 25. It says this, then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. Beloved, that's what illumination is. When God takes his word and opens it up to you so you can understand things. But can I just tell you this? Don't leave out of here thinking you're going to know everything there is to know about God. Because you and I are only going to know what this book tells us about God. And this book hasn't told us everything about God. It's just told us everything we need to know about God. Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the Lord reveal what he belong, reveals belongs to us and our sons forever. And then somebody can say, well, if we don't know everything there is to know about God, then, then what's the problem with that? Well, again, we're still finite people. We will never be able to exhaust God. Did you know that in heaven, every single hour, we'll learn things we never learned forever about God? We cannot exhaust our God. So we won't know everything, but then somebody would say, well, if we've got the Holy Spirit of God, that means I don't really need teachers because John, 1 John just said I don't need teachers. Well, look at the Bible as a whole because Ephesians 4 and 11 and 12 says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So now we do need people, who people who've been spiritually gifted to teach us the things of God. Well, somebody would say, well, you know what? I might not know everything there is to know about God, and I don't know if I really know those teachers, and so I've helped you with that. Then somebody's going to say, well, because I have the Holy Spirit of God, I can be lazy when it comes to the Word of God. I mean, if I've got the Spirit of God, why do I need to study? Well, because 2 Timothy 2.15 says so. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Work, this, this, understand this book's going to take some work, folks. It's going to take some work. How many of you know that? How many of you found that to be true in your life? Charles Spurden told a story about a woman who said to Joseph Turner while he was painting. Joseph Turner was a famous landscape painter in the 1700s. She said to him, she says, Mr. Turner, why do you put such extravagant color into your pictures? I have never seen anything like those colors in the nature that I see. And his response to her was, but don't you wish you could? Have you ever tried to explain color to a blind person? I'm colorblind, and I had a blind person who was going blind in one of my churches that I was pastoring, and I was trying to explain to him. He had never seen color. He had struggled with seeing it his whole entire life, and I was trying to say, well, I don't see some colors. And he was saying, well, I don't see any color because I don't see anything. And no matter what I tried to do, I couldn't explain to him what the color of orange is except describing orange things. Think about it. Try, try to explain color to somebody who can't see color. What does color taste like? What does color smell like? You're just not going to be able to do it. The only way for a person who is blind to see, listen, is that they'd have to be born again with seeing eyes. And that's what this text is saying. You and I have been born spiritually blind. 
and we will never see. And all of us can try to tell them what it's like, but they will never know it unless they are born again and be given eyes to see the things of God. I wonder today, have you ever been born again? And then, you know, maybe once we're born again, it would help to catch people up what all they've been missing, and that's what the Word of God is. Jeremy, if you guys and the team would come. I've just been trying to tell you today that spiritual wisdom cannot be discovered by human reason, and it can only be discovered by heavenly revelation. I read this story this past week that kind of just set in my spirit a little bit, and I don't mean to make you feel bad if you're not a good student. It's just an illustration, but William Phelps taught English literature at Yale for 41 years until he retired in 1933. But he had some witty students in his English class. So marking an examination paper shortly before Christmas one year, Phelps came across a note written at the top of one of the exams, and it said this, Mr. Phelps, only God knows the answer to this question. Merry Christmas. The teacher graded the paper, and he wrote these words at the bottom. Well, then God gets an A, and you get an F. Happy New Year. <laughs> Can I just tell you that when it comes to the things of God, God always gets an A. But in your natural state to attempt to, to get to understand the things of God, you and I will always come up with an F. We will fail every single time. And the only way that you and I can get an A is to be born again. It's not to study harder, try harder, or do better. It's to come to Jesus. In just a few moments, we're going to stand together and we're going to sing a song, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus if you've never come to faith in Christ. But I wonder today if you would think that if you're an unbeliever, that that's how you would apply this message is you would come to the Lord. But if you are a believer today, I wonder today, would you decide and determine in your heart that you're going to rely more on the Holy Spirit to teach you than you've ever, ever leaned on him before? I wonder in your life today, do you turn more to people and friends and counselors and those kind of people for wisdom before you turn to God? One other thing that I think ought to just really, really stick home with you is this. If spiritual things can't be understood by people who don't know God, probably ought to change the way you evangelize. So instead of trying to win an argument, maybe we should just tell the gospel. Try to, try, trying to argue about all these things that are going on in the world. Maybe we just ought to stick with the simple, pure gospel and say, man, I pray that God would open your eyes to understand this through the new birth. And that somehow as you speak as it is written to them, that the Holy Spirit would take what is written and convict their hearts and born them again so that then they can turn around and understand what just happened to them.
think our evangelism has to change if this is the way the book describes it. We have to rely on the book and the scripture in our witnessing, not in our own clever words or clever arguments. But I don't know where you're at today. I wonder if you just rise to your feet. I just want to call you to respond. I'm going to say a prayer, and if you need the Lord Jesus, there'll be some men and women here at the altar to receive you. If you need to just pray about anything, we'll be there. And then after that, I'm going to prep you for the Lord's Supper. So let's sing after I pray. Holy Spirit of God, today we need you to open the eyes of our heart that we may see you. I pray it in Jesus' name.